Hello. I woke up to the cool Nevada morning. The sky showed fringes of gray light, but the sun wouldn't crest the horizon for another hour. The cool temperatures wouldn't last long either. Once the sun appeared, the day would climb quickly towards the forecast of 35 degrees. Oh well, climb to 95, since I was no longer in the land of neat, tidy metric. My goal for today was to visit Antelope Island and see Chucker, a small gray partridge introduced for hunting from the mountains of Afghanistan. Tomorrow, I would head to the Sagebrush Flats, south of Salt Lake City, where I hope to find both sagebrush sparrow and gray vireo. I was still riding the high of yesterday. I had been off the coast of North Carolina on an ocean boat trip, hoping to find some new seabirds I hadn't seen yet this year. I brushed off salt still crusted into the seams of my backpack and added some snacks to the bag. 209 days into my big year, an attempt to see as many species as possible in North America in a single calendar year, I was sitting at 771 species. It was getting harder to find new birds. But yesterday, I nearly forgot how seasick I was on the boat. A pair of white-faced storm petrels and a Bermuda petrel gave stunning views. The Bermuda petrel, or cahau, was thought to be extinct for 300 years before being rediscovered a century ago. There are now just over 100 pairs of Bermuda petrel, so seeing one is something really special. Of course, I didn't actually wake up in Nevada. My backpack isn't actually encrusted with salt. And as much as I wish otherwise, I didn't actually see any petrels, Bermuda or otherwise. But in my fantasy, I still hope to add the chucker as bird number 774 to my 2019 bird list today. In January, I joined the brand new world of fantasy birding. Through my computer, I compete with thousands of other birders to find as many species as possible. Similar to other fantasy sports, users manipulate live, real-world data to participate virtually. It's challenging, informative, and immensely entertaining. Let's get started. You are listening to The Prairie Naturalist, Saskatchewan's nature radio show, here on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio. I am your host, Gabriel Foley. This week, Matt Smith, creator and developer of Fantasy Birding, joins me on the show. Fantasy Birding accesses data submitted through the immensely popular citizen science website, eBird, to allow users to create their own fantasy bird checklists. Matt tells me how he came up with the idea, what's involved with maintaining the program, and how this has influenced his perspective on real-life birding. But first, last week on the program, Shane Valley, a graduate of the University of Regina's Environmental Biology program, joined me. Shane is a keen outdoorsman and rarely passes up an opportunity to experience more of nature. 
One of the ways he connects to nature is through shed hunting, or the search for fallen deer antlers. Shane told me about why he enjoys the pastime so much and what significance the antlers hold for him. If you miss the show, you can find a link to the episode on the Prairie Naturalist Facebook page or on Twitter at the PR Naturalist. The Prairie Naturalist can be heard on the radio at 91.3 FM in Regina, on the web at cjtr.ca, on Access Television Channel 700, on SaskTel Max Channel 806, and on your smartphone if you download the CJTR app. The Prairie Naturalist is also rebroadcast on Sundays at 7.30 in the evening and on Wednesdays at 12.30 during the lunch hour. provide real-world data to users so users can participate in events that are otherwise impossible, whether because of time, money, abilities, or other reasons. In fantasy birding, a user selects a location with a 10-kilometer radius for a given day. Data is scraped from the citizen science website eBird, and all eBird checklists reported from within your radius count towards your list. To create a large list of birds, you have to plan new locations based on where new birds are and where real-life birders will be reporting them from. Not always an easy task. Matt Smith created and developed fantasy birding, and he joins me on the line from Jackson, Mississippi. Welcome to the Prairie Naturalist, Matt. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So, Matt, can you tell me... What what prompted you to start fantasy birding in the first place? It's a very good question. I um, I guess one way of answering that is to say that I'm a, a lifelong birder, uh, as well as a lifelong sports fan. Um, baseball was always big with me growing up. Uh, also, have become a, a web developer by trade um and uh on top of that just am generally the sort of person who likes to kind of come up with crazy ideas and figure out how to make them happen <laughs> so uh, it was only a matter of time before all those things kind of swirled together um i last year i was uh i was running this really silly fantasy baseball league with a few of my friends and having a blast with it. And at the same time, I was spending a lot of time coincidentally with um, data on eBird, which for listeners who might not be familiar is this just phenomenal resource. Um, it's a, a citizen science portal where um, uh, any observers uh, can can go and submit their bird observations, and they've compiled this, you know, this database of, of millions and millions of bird observations with with tremendous detail in space and time. And I was looking at all this stuff and, and really geeking out over data, like I always do. And it occurred to me 
um, as I was, you know, kind of feeling jealous of, of some of the birds that get seen in far flung places, I thought, Hey, you know, wouldn't it be possible to, you know, since, since we're getting this data in, in essentially real time, um, why not try to turn it into a game fantasy style game so that we could sort of live vicariously through real life birders in some of these super desirable destinations in the same way that, that a fantasy football player, for example, is living vicariously through the exploits of real football teams on the field. Um, and so I kind of sketched out how that might work and, and really just to scratch my own itch more than anything else. I, I just wrote up some code and, and threw it up on the web. Uh, and then figured I would send out the word to a few of my contacts in the birding community um, just to kind of make sure it was as crazy of an idea as I thought it was. And um, somehow or another, it struck a chord and word started to spread. And I ended up, I don't know if I would call it viral exactly but it, it turned into a little bit of a phenomenon as as you can vouch for yourself <laughs> i quite enjoy the game yeah <laughs> yeah how many people are involved with it right now um i think i've got something like somewhere between 2000 and 3000 users of the game um wow. and that's in that's you know in the span of the last just 7 months that that's happened um you know there's some fraction of that uh that is that are really serious players the kind who are really like you know making moves every day and and like keeping an ear to the ground to figure out where the hot birds are um but you know even that number is is got to be at least several hundred based on what i've seen hmm. so it's pretty it's pretty awesome it's pretty fun to be at the center of uh, this new community like that um, and to just all be, you know, doing this fun, geeky thing together. <laughs> and and does this, does this like really positive and popular reception surprise you? Were you expecting anything like this? Um, I, it, it surprises me a great deal. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I knew somewhere inside myself i guess that it was an idea that had to come into the world <laughs> um but uh i i did not really comprehend how many people were as as weird as i am i guess <laughs> and who would really have as much fun with it uh but that's a very pleasant surprise for sure so how much time do you spend uh you know, on a, kind of on a daily basis, just on like maintaining the game and changes yeah. and, and things like that. Yeah, it varies a lot. Um, I don't spend as much, nearly as much time as I would like. Um, I've got a long, <laughs> a long list of you know improvements I'd love to make and new features I'd love to to bring on board. Um, but I also have you know actual jobs to right. do and, and whatnot. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it, it depends, you know, when, when I'm working on, a, on bringing in a new feature, like for example, when I, when I made, um, the big day version of the game where you, where you, um, can design a, 
a route that you travel along for a single day and see how many birds you can pick up along the way. Um, you know, that took a fair amount of, of work to, to pull that together. Um, so I was, I was going at that pretty hard for a couple of weeks or so. Um, and you know, every day there's, every day there's something to be done. You know, there's, um, there's some bug that somebody has found, um, yeah, the, the, the sort of people who play this game tend to be a certain kind of person, you know, very smart, very, uh, I'll say, detail-oriented. <laughs> and they are just really awesome at tracking down, like, every little bug and every little loophole uh, in the in the game, which is fantastic from my point of view. But but it does mean that um, that I'm kept on my toes on a daily basis. So what are some of the challenges associated with fantasy birding versus doing a, like a real life birding event? Ah, that's an interesting question. And, and one that you could speak to as well, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so with, with, uh, with the way fantasy birding is set up um, and it kind of varies depending on, on which game you're, you're playing within fantasy birding, but um, you've, you've got, you know, in the classic sort of big year game, um, you're, you're picking a new spot every day and you've got total free reign as far as where on the continent you go. Um, but once you get there, you've only got a radius of 10 kilometers within which to get credit for birds that are actually seen. Um, so in that way, you're, you're very constrained um, compared to, well, so in one way you're, you're much freer than in the real world because you can travel from one coast to the other at the drop of a hat, um, you know, spend one day in the Aleutian Islands in Alaska and the next in South Florida or what have you. You get some, some real stretches in terms of real world feasibility. Uh, in another way, you're constrained because you've, you've only got a very limited circle to, that you can cover once you get there um and then in a, in a third way um you, you kind of have an advantage over the real world because you are getting credit for uh everything that anyone reports within that circle which it, you know if it's a heavily birded area like right say south texas um you know you're going to be getting a ton of stuff that would be hard to track down if you were just one person on your own doing a, you know, dawn to dusk, you know, making your rounds. Sure. So I've tried to, you know, it, and I was kind of just, obviously this has never been done before. So I, it was just kind of a shot in the dark trying to figure out how to strike that balance. Um, you know, making it, making those constraints balance out so that you, so that, the results you would get would feel somewhat realistic, you know, and and what I really dreamed of was having was having this big year competition go down to the wire in terms of seeing whether we could beat the real life record mm. for you know, which is like the most coveted record in North American birding, right? Um, and I think I think evidently. Uh, I did a pretty good job of that because <laughs> it is shaping up to be a pretty interesting race here over the last few months of the year. Uh, what what's something that has what what's the thing that surprised you the most about the game as you've been playing it? 
Hmm. Um, well, it surprises me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm the, the birds that are easier, you know, relatively easier or harder to get in the game hmm. are not necessarily the birds that you would predict. Um, if you were just going to sit down and, and brainstorm, yeah. um, there are some birds that are, you know, like uh, th- there are things like owls, for example, that, um, in real life, if you, if you know where to find an owl, you can just go and, and see it fairly reliably. Um, whereas in fantasy birding, the, the dimension of having to wait for some other person out there to go, uh, submit a checklist with that bird on it can be pretty frustrating <laughs> and and can make that bird really difficult like i'm I'm sitting here thinking how in the world am i going to get long-eared owl right in my big year game uh you know they're everywhere but uh you know each you look at the e-bird map and uh, you know even in the reliable spots you might only get a, a checklist once once a week or something like that so you got to sit and camp out in some places the nemesis birds are just the nemesis birds infected. yeah and then there's nemesis <laughs> regions too mm. like there's a lot of us are just really frustrated with hawaii right now because, <laughs> uh it's just it's not it's not covered as well yet um i'd like to think we're getting there but um there's just not as much e-bird coverage out there and so all these endemic birds that are super desirable um from an uh, an ABA birding perspective um, can be really tricky to track down in the game. And, and there was there was a whole thing with whiskered auklets in Alaska that yeah. just that was a whole weeks long challenge trying to sort out. We knew that they'd been seen, but couldn't figure <laughs> out where the checklist had gone to. It was <laughs> right. So we're thinking, like, do we go break down the door of the this tour, this poor tour operator who supposedly went and saw him? And yeah, that's that's been another another interesting thing to follow is how how the fantasy world kind of spills over into the real world, and you know just how desperate um, fantasy birders can get, and how willing they are to to kind of uh, recruit real life birders to their cause, or or just you know try and glean information from from real birders that they can use for their advantage. Uh, that's led to some pretty hilarious situations. My partner's heading to Colorado this week, and I've told her nice. she is. She just has to get me white-tailed ptarmigan and mountain plover, and I will be happy. <laughs> Sweet, yeah. Well, if she's willing to do you, then that that is that sounds like true love to me. <laughs> that's that's, that's really say. special. <laughs> uh, Matt... How has playing fantasy birding changed your perspective on real life birding? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, w- one of the first questions that I get from a lot of people is, um, you know, isn't isn't this just like a lame stand-in for for real birding, and doesn't it detract from, you know, sh- shouldn't you be out watching real birds instead of like? lurking in your basement or whatever on your computer. And I think, I mean, maybe it really does work that way for some people that, that it's an either or kind of situation. But for me, I've never felt like, um, like 
you know, engaging with something that I'm passionate about in one way is mutually exclusive with engaging with it in, in another way. Um, so in my experience, playing the game has, if anything, made me more excited and more curious mm-hmm. about the birds that are around me in real life. Like, you know, I'll see, uh, I'll see a, a migrant warbler come through my yard or something and I'll think, Hey, you know, now I've got a much clearer idea of like where that guy might've been yeah. a week ago, where he might be going. Um, I can, I can really visualize, uh, you know, the, the, the lives of these birds in a different way. And it, it's, uh, it connects me to them more. Uh, it also, it also really, um, it, it helps you appreciate, um, the importance of citizen scientists and Mm. the importance of supporting these resources, incredible resources like eBird, um, and you know the, the massive amounts of great data that they put out and the great products that they put out with that data um you know we're as fantasy birders we're all becoming you know real experts on the inner workings of <laughs> eBird <Yes. laughs> i think that'll hopefully pay dividends for for eBird itself as as um you know more of us uh start to see the importance of using it in real life. So Matt, what, what's the next step for the game? What, what are kind of the things coming down the pipe that you have in mind? Well, I'm always full of ideas and short on time to, to implement them as, as I said earlier. Um, I, I'm working on, um, and this is something I've been promising for a while and haven't had a chance to deliver yet, but I'm, I'm working on pulling in data on, on other species, other kinds of plants and animals into the game. Um, there's a, a, another database, uh, iNaturalist, that I'm sure a lot of your listeners are very familiar with. Um, and it's, it collects data on, you know, all kinds of different species. Um, and I've, I've got a, I've got a plan for, um, for bringing that in as well, so that when you choose your circle for the day, you're going to be able to see not only what birds were reported there, but also, you know, what mammals and and what butterflies and that's cool. so on and so forth. I think people will be excited about that. Yeah, that's pretty neat, and draws uh, draws attention to like stuff that is often overlooked, like right. butterflies or herptals or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm also I'm I'm determined to find some way to get a like a quiz style competition into the game. Oh, cool. Um, I've got a I've got something sketched out of my head where it, it might be like a tournament style thing where um, you know each player has a, a timed quiz where they have to identify birds that are flashed up on the screen for hmm. a short time Neat. and uh, and using that tournament style we whittle it down and determine who is the best <laughs> bird ID person oh, gosh. in the country. <laughs> I, I am intrigued and terrified all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, maybe we might have like different brackets or something. I don't know. Because that does sound kind of intimidating when I put it that way. 
Uh, okay, we've got we've got about thirty seconds left. Um, okay. What was your spark bird? What got you into birding? Oh man, I should have known you'd ask me that. <laughs> I would be really hard pressed to pick a spark bird. Um, I I will say that that one that was kind of formative for me was Lacan's sparrow, hmm. um, which we get kind of uncommonly uh, here in Mississippi in the winter. Um, and I guess you get it on the other end up there, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, just such a, a beautiful little bird in such an understated way. And um, it was pretty early on in my birding career as a teenager when I, I really got a, a great look at one of those. And I was like, oh, man, you know, there are just so many buried treasures out there, you know things that are easy to overlook but that are really rewarding to find and study wow well that that's awesome thank you so much for coming onto the show today it was it was great to talk to you matt my pleasure yeah it was fun i've been speaking with matt smith creator and developer of fantasy birding you are listening to the prairie naturalist on 91.3 fm cjtr regina community radio I'm your host, Gabriel Foley. That brings us to the end of the show. My thanks to Matt Smith for joining me on the show today. You can learn more about fantasy birding on Twitter at Birding Fantasy, on Facebook at the Fantasy Birding Support Group, or, if you'd like to join the fun, you can do that at fantasybirding.com. I even have a special Saskatchewan-only game happening. If you sign up, you can join that game with me and try to find as many species as you can right here in Saskatchewan. And of course, if you have comments or questions about what you've heard, or if you missed last week's show, you can find more on Facebook at The Prairie Naturalist or on Twitter at the PR Naturalist, or my own account, at Bird Nerd Foley. And that's nerd with an I. This has been the Prairie Naturalist on 91.3 FM, CJTR, Regina Community Radio. I'm your host, Gabriel Foley. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.